when I was talking about what's in your hand and how important it is to recognize the things that God has given us, the importance of working those gifts and strengthening them, developing them, and then ultimately using them to glorify God. In the second half, so today, I want to share more about and shift the focus to living a life of generosity, having generosity flowing through our lives. So while we're holding the gifts that God has given us, that open hand, that with open hands, it gives us this posture that's just as great to give as it is to receive. So that's the heart of generosity within each of us. But before I get into that, I'm going to pray. Lord, thank you so much for all that you've given us. Thank you for the faithfulness and the people of this church. Thank you that even through storms and trials and tribulations, God, that people have stood firm here, uh, planted in this house. So God, we just we commit this church and the future of it to you. God, we pray that you would use us in a generous way, even as we're giving back to you in the community in a generous way. So God, we just thank you. We look forward to what you have in store. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 So in Luke 6.38, and one side note, anytime we say Luke or a chapter or a verse in the Bible, those are pieces that people have put into God's Word to help us find things quickly. So even if I were to say a verse and not give the reference, it's not because I'm leaving something out that's in God's Word. It just means I didn't tell you where I find it. You have to figure it out yourself. <laughs> so Luke 6.38, though, to help you out, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. There are many things that we can give to in life. We can give to our families, we can give to our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, we can give to the church, to the community, to different user groups, all kinds of things. There's many things that we can give to. There's many different ways that we can give and be generous. We can give of our time, we can give expertise, we can give skills, we can give resources. There's all kinds of ways to give, there's all kinds of things to give, there's all kinds of ways that we can act generously in life. But the real question comes down to, do I want to be generous? Do I want to make that decision for me? Generosity is a lifestyle highly promoted throughout the Bible. You know, we see it in the life of Jesus. We see it in the early church and throughout many of Paul's letters to the early church of how this, this idea or this concept of generosity is just woven through the whole story of everything. We also see rewards for giving tied to generosity in many spots as well, such as the verse we just looked at in Luke. You know, it says, give and you will receive. So there's this reward for giving. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Again, a reward. We also see mentions of storing up treasures in heaven, which we're going to touch on in a bit in some other uh, verses as well. But this whole concept of giving and receiving is all throughout the New Testament. You know, a personal story of ours, and this has to do with giving as in tithing, is that... Um, Years ago, me and Caitlin, we, were, we struggled with tithing. We struggled with giving our offerings to the church and being consistent in it. We would give like a little bit here, a little bit there, but we never really seemed to have enough to give when we were supposed to give. And it was a real struggle for us. 
and we had many different little business type ventures or little things that we do at craft fairs or things like that and nothing ever seemed to take root and could never seem to get traction on anything then one day we just decided we're like you know what we need to get serious about this thing and we didn't even get to a tie that's technically 10 percent and we didn't even get to that part but we said we can do five we can start five percent we made that commitment we gave online at the time and we just set it up to happen we, every two weeks we're going to give our five percent and we're going to stick to that until we can figure out some of the other things we have going in life to get that up to where we want it to be and no sooner did we make that commitment but the next day we got this big order for a whole bunch of stuff for that new business that we had started up and it was just this amazing thing where we saw a really quick return God's blessing on us and we're still seeing God's hand of favor in our lives in many different ways it's not always material things it's not always um, financial things but we see God's goodness in our lives as a result of our generosity towards him so I want to encourage you with that that it doesn't matter where you're at right now we can always choose to be generous and choose to take that first step and at least start that's just one story from us that uh, is still very real for us today. So the whole concept of giving and receiving, though, and kind of like that rewards idea, is kind of like earning rewards points for shopping at the right stores. You guys all do that? You, you see, you know you need to get milk, but you're going to go to the place that you're going to get points. <laughs> You'll drive an extra 20 minutes to go get those points, even though it doesn't even make sense because of the gas used. I've been guilty of that. Somehow it made sense in my head, but I didn't really pan out. But uh, nowadays it seems like everywhere has a point system. You've got Air Miles, you've got Aeroplan, you've got Optima points, you even have Tim's points, which I'm thankful for. I love free coffee. So we're thankful for these point systems. And what we see how the world has taken this biblical principle of giving and receiving, and they've applied it to a business practice, and it works. It's amazing. They know that because they're giving something back to you, you're going to keep giving to them. You're going to keep giving them your business, and they're going to give you a little bit back. While the proportion and the measure of it doesn't match up to God's standard, the concept is still there. Now, we can have many motivations to give and be generous in our lives. We can have a worthy cause that we want to give to you. Or maybe there's a situational need where um, something just came up, it happened, and we're like, we need to step in, we need to be generous, we need to figure this thing out, we got to pull together as a team. Or maybe there's something that's really close to our hearts, um, something very dear to us, that would be worth giving to. Uh, there, there could be uh, just this idea of wanting to be kind. You know, that whole concept of be nice today. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna do something generous because I want to be kind. Or you can give to receive a reward. And that's even in the Bible. It's okay. You can give to receive a reward. You can give to prepare for future. You know, you take some of your finances and you put them into an RSP or some kind of savings thing to plan for your future. That's you giving into your future, that's preparing. And that's okay. So there's many different reasons and motivations why we would give. Whatever the reason behind it, generosity is a key aspect of our relationship with Jesus. 
Generosity, when you boil it right down, is love manifested in the exchange of material goods or services. It's saying, I care, I love this thing that I want to give to, and I'm going to invest in it in whatever way I can. It's, it's showing that heart behind it. We see this displayed in these following verses that I'm going to read to you. So this one is coming from Proverbs 21, 13. Whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. So Jesus, so in Proverbs it's saying there that, you know, if, if you turn your ear, you close your ear off to the poor, then all of a sudden you find yourself in need, you're not going to be heard either. So it's this idea where generosity is important in our lives because as we give generously, generously will be given back to us. Also in Proverbs 22, 9, it says, The generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. And in Acts 20, verse 35, Paul says this, In everything I did, I showed you that this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Generosity is an indicator of the heart's status before God. Are we generous with our time, abilities, and resources? Do we joyfully give and sacrifice? That's two words that you don't normally put together in our normal day language. Joy and sacrifice. But it's true. Do we joyfully give and sacrifice? Or do we begrudgingly give and get grumpy when help is asked for us? Like, oh, I can't believe they're asking me again. How dare they? Uh, these can be indicators of how our relationship with Jesus is going, and if we're actually seeing, if we're actually seeking first the kingdom. So I want to look at four things that happen, or at least should happen, when we give generous, when we're when we are living a generous lifestyle with open hands. So I got four things for us this morning. Number one, open hands create outreach opportunity. Open hands create outreach opportunity. So in 2 Corinthians 9, we see Paul writing to the church in regards to their giving. He says right off the bat that he doesn't need to write them about this ministry of giving because he knows how eager they are to help. There's no concern there about their heart towards giving and the need to give. But this section of scripture is a popular one usually used in giving talks. You know, lots of pastors and preachers will use it to encourage people to give. That's a normal use for it in a lot of churches. But what I want to draw out of this today is the concept of living with open hands leads to or creates outreach opportunities. Okay? So in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6 it says this. Remember this. A farmer who plants on a who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will plant a generous crop. Has anyone ever planted a garden? Lots of us have. I have. I've done it where I've planted just a few seeds, and if half of those seeds don't work, I'm in trouble. I'm not going to get much stuff that year. But if you're generous with your seeds, if you use lots of them, you're going to have lots of shoots coming up, and you've got lots of options of which plants you want to develop. We can see this whole idea of sowing seeds paralleled in the parable of sower in Matthew 13. This is Jesus giving a parable. It says, listen, listen. 
there's a funny YouTube thing, and every time I see the word listen, I think of Linda. This happens. So just look up listen, Linda, and you'll probably find it. But anyway, that's totally separate. Listen, up <laughs> and there it went again. I'm just gonna skip that. A farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across the fields, some seeds fell on a footpath, and birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants plants soon withered under the hot sun, and since they didn't have any deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Then Jesus goes on to say, and this is one of the rare times where he actually gives the explanation for the parable. It's wonderful. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who heard the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produces a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as it had been planted. So of generously planting, of generously giving to different things, yes, there will be misses. You're not always going to get all of those seeds into the right spots. You're going to have times where it hits that, that sidewalk, or times where it lands in, in um, rocky soil. You'll have times where it lands in a bunch of weeds and thistles, which is really frustrating. <laughs> but there will also be times where it lands in that soil that's been tilled and ready to go with the right balance of stuff in there so that those plants will grow and be healthy and, and strive to and do well. <coughs> you know, but however, out of generosity and that seed falling on good soil, we're going to see generous returns. So looking at even that story, you see where it 25% of the seed, if you're to break it down to quarters, fell on good soil. But then 30, 60, or 100 times was returned. That's a lot more than was invested. So as good stewards of what God has given, we can always learn from mistakes and learn what that fertile ground looks like. We can learn what where those pockets are, those places are. We used to be called them ponds before even. Where we can uh, where we can put our resources, where we can put our time, where we can invest in people, and see God's goodness shine through and roots grow deep. Going back to Second Corinthians, it goes on to say this: Second Corinthians nine, ten, and eleven. For God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, He will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. 
Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, or nowadays it would be the needs of whoever we're giving towards, their needs will be met. And they will joyfully express their thanks to God. So not only will their needs be met, but they're also going to have a heart of thanksgiving towards God because they have been generously given to so I put this big bucket of candy here, and no, this did not come from the Halloween stash, just to be clear. Caitlin says if I want candy, I have to buy it myself, but then I'm not supposed to buy candy for myself because that's a bad habit to get into. Because I'll just eat it all. But um, do we have any grade three and up in this room right now? Corbin's here. Sure. Yeah. So here's the thing. I bought this big bucket of candy. And just giving an example of open hands, if I were to take a handful of it like this, that's going to really limit what I can do with this candy. You know, if I went to give this to Paul and John, and they held their hands out to receive it, but I've got it like this, I'm not actually giving much right now because I'm holding it, I'm clenching it with tight hands. And they didn't actually get anything. It's just terrible, right? That's not how we want to live life. I have open hands, I can hold so much more because it gives me the ability to pick up more stuff and it also gives me the ability to just hold out the bucket and say, here, take some, go ahead, or take the bucket. <laughs> but the beautiful thing about this is like, say, if Savory took some, she could actually use open hands and take a little scoop of candy. That's not, no, that's not open hands. You just did what I did before, scoop. There you go. She scooped the candy, oh, yeah. now she's got the ability to share with her mom, which is even better. And Corbin needs to run down here if he wants to get some, because I'm not going way back there. But this idea of open hands gives us the ability to share and be generous. And you better be sharing that as just focus on the one thing that we want. There is a potential for a great harvest. The question is, are we willing to sow generously to reap generously? Are you willing to give what it takes to see that great harvest happen? Open hands create outreach opportunity. If we want to see this region impacted, it's going to take all of us committing to use whatever time, resources, and abilities we have. And even a thing as simple as it sounds as a candy buffet on Halloween. And by the way, this is a Halloween bucket, but this is not really scary because you have spiders here that are bigger than this. <laughs> so that's nothing. True story. They're in my yard. Um, yes. But we can do it. We can reach people just out of our generosity and our love for others. 
Number two, open hands enables us to live for God. When we live with open hands, it puts us in a posture that says, you first, me second. Jesus told us to take up our cross. It's a sacrificial lifestyle. It's a form of worship. Paul embodied this fully when he said, for me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. I didn't give you the reference, so you got to work by that one. While he had a desire to be with Jesus in heaven, he longed to be with Jesus. He very plainly says that his life is not his own, and he recognized that God had lots of stuff for him to still do on this earth. So while living is Christ, while living is him saying, you first, God, and dying, he felt would be a gain because then he'd be reunited with Jesus, he still saw the purpose of living a generous life while he's still breathing. In another passage, Paul even refers to us being as being bond slaves to Christ. The bond slave is basically saying, I'm choosing to lay my life down. I'm choosing to give up my rights for yours. He's saying, not my way, but your way. I'm holding my life with open hands. Living for Jesus and truly following him requires us to hold even our own lives with open hands. Saying, not mine, but yours. The beautiful thing about living this way is that we serve as great a God. We serve a great God who desires to supply all our needs. Matthew 6, is a very familiar verse. It says, seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So as we live a lifestyle open hands, we're able to truly follow Jesus because we're we're holding our own lives with open hands and saying, God, I want to do whatever it takes with my life. Next one is open hands lead to treasure in heaven. Does anyone like a good like treasure story like Indiana Jones or um, National Treasure? I like those movies actually; they're pretty good. But uh, I love a good treasure story, and there's something about finding treasure that is appealing. In Matthew 6, 19 to 21, it says, Don't store up treasures here on earth, where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. This is back to the rewards category. It's biblical to store up treasures for ourselves in heaven. It's biblical. But how do we do this? It's not like some kind of offshore bank account that we sneakily slide money into, you know? It's not that kind of a thing, okay? Fortunately, though, Paul tells us what to do. He lays it out very nicely for us. It's awesome. 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 19 says this. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasures as a good foundation for the future, so that they may experience true life. This church has a history of giving to those in need. 
was a history of storing up treasures in heaven. Q2010, lots of you remember that year, when a massive flood hit this area. The church stepped up and served alongside the Red Cross to give relief and, to, and support to those in need. This is your story, church. This is the story of the people from this, this gathering, this group of people. Caitlin even remembers seeing this on the news back in 2010 because she loves watching natural disaster things. It freaks her right out because she can't help but watch. Um, but treasures were set aside during, in heaven during this time. Business leaders set aside their plans to help with rescue services. People laid down their time and resources and abilities and served with open hands, served with food, all kinds of things, giving refuge to people. And one really neat thing that I find fascinating, well, not fascinating, but I find it really cool, is that you guys have this sitting in the hallway, and lots of you probably walk by it every day, and you don't even think twice about it. But this is a testimony of you guys doing the work. It's a testimony of you storing up treasures in heaven. It's a testimony of you pouring into the community and making an impact. I'm actually going to read it because I find it really neat. It says, Family Worship Center, in recognition of the department's partnership with the Canadian Red Cross in providing essential services to New Brunswickers affected by flooding in December 2010, through this coordinated effort, hundreds of residents of central and southwestern New Brunswick received much-needed assistance. We acknowledge the minister and the deputy minister, and we commend the staff for their dedication and for working collaboratively with the Canadian Red Cross during this disaster response. That's your history. That's something that you guys did as a church that massively impacted the community. When youth talk about Family Worship Center in the community, that's one of the things people will remember forever. And that's something that's a beautiful heritage of this place. This is just one example. Of this church, I know there's been missional focuses. You've had the Beacon Outreach, you've had the Backpack Program, now, I'm sure the list goes on and on, and we're just scratching the surface as we're new here of all the things that you guys have been involved with over the years. All these things lead to treasures in heaven. Now, Kate is doing the Christian Studies class at CCCA this year, which is the Christian school in the building here. Uh, but she's doing a different take on it. She's calling it lifestyles and teaching them to live lives that reflect Jesus. Each month, the class has server hours to film. They gotta do some work. <laughs> uh, this is where they would be volunteering time in their community. So not if their families are not, you know, loading the dishwasher does not count. Okay? <laughs> so Carmen and Xavier can you get to mom's class does not count. You gotta do outside of the house. But uh, yeah, they can come to Paula's, that would count. We'll give you that. Okay. Uh, but anyway. While they might not realize it, they're storing up treasures in heaven while they do their homework. They're doing the work of the ministry. They're doing what Jesus has called us to do, even as they're just doing homework. And it's an amazing thing to see, and they're actually doing it. And it's been pretty cool to see some of the stories. There was a couple of them. They shoveled poop. Like, there's a lot of it. Like, that's, that's amazing. Like, that is a servant's heart right there. Now, some of us might say, and I've said myself at times, that it's not good to just give for a reward. 
but we don't seek an earthly reward. It's not, it's not something physical that we're seeking. It's not something that we're looking for. Yes, God will provide and God will make a way and God does give earthly rewards at times, but that's not the goal. You know, it's biblical for us to store up treasures in heaven so that when we get to heaven, there's a great reward because of the work that we've done on this earth. It's not tied to our salvation, but it is a reward in heaven. This leads to my final point. Teach others to live with open hands. Number four. We need to teach others to live with open hands. This next piece of scripture uh, that I want to use is one that I've seen a bit misused or misinterpreted at times. So I'm hoping to draw a little bit of clarity to this verse. And by saying that, I'm not saying that I've heard it here misused or anything like that, but just generally I've heard this verse misused at times. So this is Matthew 6, 1 to 4. It says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward for your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may praise that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When I hear this verse used, it's usually in the concept, in the context of you shouldn't talk about your giving to others. You shouldn't let other people know that you gave. You shouldn't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't. Unfortunately, this kind of interpretation can actually rob others from the joy of blessing that comes from giving. Again, the focus of this verse is not about others seeing you give, but it's about the heart of the one giving. When we live with open hands, do good works, give generously, whether with our time, finances, resources, skills, whatever it might be, our heart should always be joyfully giving to God for his glory. What it's saying is not to put on a show. It's not to go, hey, everybody, look, I just made this thing happen. You see that one? Or, hey, everyone, I just developed this whole thing and check it out and look how good I look doing it. That's, that's what this is saying is don't do that. It's not so that you can make yourself feel good. This verse is talking about any kind of outward act of generosity. Whether it's shoveling your neighbor's driveway, shoveling poop at someone's house, donating candy to the candy buffet, or serving on a team, the heart behind it is what matters. An example of using someone's giving to teach others how to give is found in Luke 21. Jesus used someone's giving as an example. While Jesus was at the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them, for they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. Again, the amount didn't matter. What mattered was the heart behind the gift. It's important for us to use some of our stories of generosity to encourage others to be generous. This is an aspect that is all too often lost in the church. 
when we don't teach others how to be generous, to bring their offering before the Lord, or to help those in need, we're actually robbing them of God's blessing and keeping them from storing up treasures in heaven for themselves because they just don't know better. They don't know that God wants to bless them. They don't know that it's God's desire for them to live an outward, generous life because we don't talk about it. On top of that, it's good to celebrate together as God's people when we have stories where the church has made an impact like this one with the Red Cross. What a celebration. What an amazing thing that happened there. And how great is it to be able to share that story of generosity with others and say, we did this thing and we can do it again. And you can be a part of it this time because now you're here too. <laughs> right? Again, this is not for popularity's sake, but to give glory and honor to the one who gave so generously to us in the first place. 2 Corinthians 9 7 says this You must decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. You'll see us, hear us say it many times when we're collecting an offering here, even that if you're new here, don't feel any pressure to give. Why? Because there shouldn't be. There shouldn't be pressure to give. Even on those that are here, normally, we don't want to pressure giving. But we do want to see you guys live an outward generous life where you're going to see God's blessing happen all around you. Now, I find with giving and generosity, it's usually after the act of generosity that the joy really comes. It's like Halloween when you give a kid a full-size chocolate bar. You know what I'm talking about? Inside, you might be going, I really want to do this. Guilty. Just me. No, John likes chocolate. John would be there with me. But after giving and seeing how happy you made that tiny little Ninja Turtle, it brings just as much joy, if not more joy, to you. For how happy that kid is, you're probably ten times as happy because of how much you just blessed that guy. The same can be said about Christmas time or birthdays. Many parents sacrifice to put gifts under the tree or to get that one thing that they think their kids will like the most. And it can be hard sometimes for parents. But when they see the joy it creates, it brings joy back to them. You know, when you're a kid, and some, for some of us it's staying a little farther back there to try and remember that, uh, every year it's farther for me too. But uh, when you were a kid, you looked forward to Christmas for all the things that you would receive. Then as a parent, you look forward to Christmas to see the joy on your kids' faces as you give them the things that they want. And it's just this, this flip of mentality there as we get older. But uh, that's how it is with giving even, or with when we serve. When we serve and we see the impact that we made and the joy that we brought to people, that's where the joy comes back to us. When we give and we see some great thing happen because of our giving, how much joy does that bring us? It's amazing. It's the same thing when we live generous lives with open hands for Jesus. We might not always feel like it, but keeping our hands open, ready to give, is where it's at. The bottom line of all of this, with the open hands idea and all of that, is that as we live our lives with 
open hands, we can expect God's blessing because he's promised it. We can expect his blessing. We can expect to see people come to know Jesus because he said the harvest is better. He said that, you know, as we plant, we'll reap generously. He even said about the harvest that the workers are few, so ask the Lord of the harvest that he would send more workers. So it's not just this empty verse of, you know, there's a lot of harvest out there, but there's never going to be enough people. No, God gave us the solution. He said, just ask me for more workers, and he'll send them. So if we see a big harvest out there, let's pray that God's going to bring us more people to get that harvest, and let's see his blessing flow. We can continue to grow and mentor each other as we continue to grow in likeness to Jesus, living a generous life with open hands. Matthew 10, 8, give as freely as you have received. That's it. Give what's been given. You know, some of you might be here for the first time. You might have never heard of living this kind of a generous life before. And this whole idea of open hands might be new to you. This idea of being a bond servant or a bond slave to Jesus might be new to you. But the thing is, is that Jesus ultimately laid down his life for us. He laid down his life. He held his own life with open hands and gave it generously so that we could have life eternal with him and the Father in heaven. If you're here and you would like to live that kind of life where you're walking in step with Jesus, you, you, you want to have him be the master of your life and to live that kind of generous life with him, I would like to pray with you. And praying is just simply talking to Jesus. But if I could just get everyone in this room to just close their eyes and bow their heads for a moment. If that's you and this is the first time that you'd ever have like to ask Jesus into your life, that you'd like to commit to following him, if you could just slip your hand up for me and just give me a little wave, then I know who I'm praying for. Let's pray and repeat after me. Dear Jesus. Dear Jesus. We thank you. We thank you. For your love for us. For your love for us. I thank you. I thank you. That you live with open hands. That you live with open hands. And lay down even your own life. And lay down even your own life. For me. For me. We thank you that all we have to do. We thank you that all we have to do. Is confess you as Lord. Is confess you as Lord. And ask you into our hearts to be saved. And ask you into our hearts to be saved. Lord, come into my life. Lord, come into my life. May you be Lord of my life. And you be Lord of my life. Forever and ever. Forever and ever. Amen. 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 If that's you, and that was the first time ever, parties going off in heaven. God's not holding back any of the fireworks. He's generous that way, and it's a big show, just like it's in Beaver Harbor every weekend. <laughs> There's some lady there that just shoots off fireworks all the time there. It's crazy. But... That's seriously what happens. It's not my song call Anyway, there's a party in heaven for every person that gives their life to follow Jesus because that is his redemptive plan for the world. For the rest of us, I'd like to pray that you would experience God's blessing on your lives, that you would experience his blessing through acts of generosity. So if you could just, if everyone could stand up, actually, that's even better. Always stand up, and let's just hold our hands out with open hands.
ready to give and ready to receive. Lord, I thank you that you give so generously to us. I thank you that your heart towards your people is a generous heart, that your heart towards the lost is generous even. So God, as we receive, I pray that we would also be giving, that we would look for those opportunities, those moments in life where we can make a difference. God, I pray that we would feel the prompting of your spirit even to recognize those moments and to capitalize on them, to, to make the most of them, Jesus. And God, as we live a lifestyle of generosity, as we grab a hold of this thing and just continue to live our lives with open hands, holding even our own lives with open hands towards you, Jesus, that you would continue to pour out blessing on the people that are giving, the blessing on those that are living generously, and that their generosity would cause blessing to pour out all around them just have a massive impact on all of those that are close by. God, I thank you that you've promised us treasures in heaven even as we live generous lives. And I pray that, um, that you would continue to draw us to you, that you would continue to draw us to you in this lifestyle of generosity, and that we would just be strengthened in you to be able to continue to be your church, living generous lives every single day, in a way that our community is going to take the rest of. So God, I pray that there would be a great harvest. Pray that there would be many come to know you in, in the near future, even God, that we would see a great harvest. We thank you for your blessing. In your name, amen. 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 amen.